0: Well, hey everybody. Good to see all of you this morning. and those of you who are gathered online with us, we're glad that you're here too. If this is your first time here, or even if you've been here before, welcome to Thrive Church. So glad that we can gather together to do this. Let me see if I can take care of that on the screen real quick. There we go. All right. Yeah, it looks a little bit better. Anyway, I hope you're doing well. Uh, yesterday, um, Lisa and I were out in the yard um, doing some yard work and um, I don't know what time it was, probably 8.30 or something like that. And that cool wind blew up. Oh, my goodness. That was awesome. And then we got that beautiful rain that night. And today the weather's going to be great. But as temperatures heat up, welcome to the humidity. Yeah, we're going to get that again. Anyway, so. But it's summertime. And uh, we should not um, expect to have anything less than hot temperatures here in Oklahoma. Um, but the other thing that's hot, see what I did there? See what I did? Is the series that we're doing on the life of David, and so we're going to pick that story up again. So far, um, we've been meeting some people that are instrumental in the life of Israel and and lead up to the story of of, uh, King David, and uh, we've got a sense of history. And then last week, um, if you'll remember, we learned that this phrase, a man after God's own heart, is really an Idiom for loyalty, and David was loyal to God throughout his life. Didn't mean doesn't mean he was perfect, Um, not by any stretch. But we're going to talk more about loyalty, and we're going to see some of that today as we as we pick up the story. So let's go into the text. Let's just start right there, and um, jump in with both feet. I'm going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, we we uh, talked a little bit about that um, previously, but we're going to pick up the last half of that verse. So, or uh, that passage. So uh, 1 Samuel 16, beginning with verse 14. If you have a Bible or Bible app, you might want to punch it in. Otherwise, I'll have it on the screen for you. Here we go. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. Because we all know that music calms the savage beast. Some of you will remember that Bugs Bunny taught us that. Some of you won't get that. That's okay. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Yeah, that's right, because he was just anointed. Interesting. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Armor bearers, that is hard to say. You try it, okay? Then Saul sent a word to Jesse saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Now there's a couple of things I want to point out. In this passage, oh, sorry, whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play, then relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Okay, so uh, keep that in mind. But there's a couple things I want to point out here. Um, First is that one of his servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. And then Saul sent messengers and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. okay. So one of the things that we we notice here is that David is very humble in the sense that he's doing a humble job. Now, it's good work. It's, it's, it's a solid job. He's taking care of sheep in the field. Um, but he's, he also has a reputation for being a warrior. He's got both of those things going on. So there's, there's humble, but with a reputation. In other words, David's got some street cred here. Okay? Keep that in mind. And also notice that This is a warrior who was hired as a musician. Isn't that interesting? There are many ancient traditions that sought to balance out the warrior type with the arts. We see this all over. Um, So very often in Japan, um, the samurai class, even though they trained in the use of arms, would also train in either calligraphy or in poetry, that's very common. And we see this throughout the world whenever there's a warrior caste, uh, there's typically um, some art that flourishes along with it. And so one tempers the other, at least that's the idea behind it. Whether or not it it succeeds, that's another question. But he enters the service of the king, King Saul. Now, keep in mind where we are in the timeline here. David, um, God has rejected Saul and has chosen David, and Samuel has anointed David as the next king, okay? And so what happens is is that David goes and enters the service of the king, knowing full well that he's been anointed for the job. But here's, here's here's the kicker. David did not press his claim. Do you see that? He entered the service of the king, he didn't go to usurp the king. And he's loyal to God, into God's chosen one. That's a big deal. It's a huge thing. Because legitimately, under you know, most circumstances, if you have one king that's been rejected and another king has been anointed, we're going to want to hurry up and replace that guy on the throne. And David is perfectly content to go, nope, this is what God has for me right now. So he enters the king's service, but he does not press his claim. How many of you are that patient? Yeah. So again, we have this idea of loyalty. David is loyal to to God and to God's chosen. We'll see this again over the next few chapters. This happens over and over. Now, I want to point out there's an elephant in the room. As we read through that, was there any verse that made you uncomfortable? Maybe just a little bit. Well, if you didn't, that's fine, because I have one. (laughs) That's something that makes me really uncomfortable. Here's the verse again. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Does that bother you? That really bugs me. How how do we understand that? And what's more, it's repeated throughout the verse, right? Right? His attendants noticed it, and at the very end, whenever David played his lyre, then that spirit from the Lord would depart from him, would leave him alone. It's weird, right? Now, this is not the only place in the text where this occurs. It actually shows up in Judges. If you're interested, you can go there. It's Judges chapter nine, verse twenty-three, um, and there's a, it's a kind of a companion to. That passage in Exodus chapter 9 where it talks about God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Wait a second, what? Because when you read this at first glance, it certainly seems to me, and, and you know, I would imagine to the average reader, that y- you come up with these things, and it seems to me that, that God is responsible for this, and that's bothersome. So, we know from James chapter 1, and we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that God does not tempt us. You can go look it up if you want to. But God doesn't tempt us. This seems to be more than just temptation. Would you agree? I mean, this is talking about God not only um, uh, tempting, but also being the source of something evil. And that really bugs me. This is more intense than temptation. And it's like this author is attributing evil to God, and that seems blasphemous in my mind. Because didn't Jesus tell us that the unforgivable sin is that when you um, uh, attribute something evil to the Holy Spirit? Does that make sense? I mean, that, that seems to be what's happening here. And, and frankly, this makes me squirm when I read these words. I'm like, okay, this, something doesn't add up here. So how are we supposed to understand this then? How do we understand this particular passage? Well, fortunately, language is really helpful here. And I trust that the translators of the New International Version uh, are actual great biblical scholars, and um, yes, I know a couple of them, and yes, they are. They're great scholars. And so there are some decisions that they made to translate the words this particular way. But I want to pull this apart a little bit. And I want to suggest um, some possibilities here. So let me, let me come back to this. <clears throat> There's three parts in this phrase and question. First is an evil spirit. Second is from the Lord. And third is tormented him. Okay? So we need to start with this idea of an evil spirit. Let's start with the word evil. Evil. And that particular word has a couple of different um, connotations to it. On the one hand, evil, in this particular case, can um, mean a moral thing, evil. It's something that is truly evil in its nature. But it also has the quality of just being bad, nasty, messy, gross. Disgusting, terrible, right? So it's not a question of morality, but it's a question of quality. And it's easy to read that an evil spirit from the uh, from the uh, from the Lord. When we knew that, we, it's easily to read into that that it's a demon. Would you agree? I mean, when you read that, that's the first thing that you think of. Oh, it's a demon. Demons coming, and he's going to torment Saul. But that's not the only way to understand that. You can also understand it as a bad spirit. So it's a question of quality, not necessarily a question of morality or malevolence in this particular case. I think a bad spirit might be a better way of understanding it. And then you've got this idea of tormented him. Tormented can also be translated as being overwhelmed. You know what I mean? Have you ever experienced that or you just felt overwhelmed by something? It almost torments you because you just can't get rid of it. It's over and over in your mind. And so my, my sense is, is that a better way of translating this is that it's a bad spirit overwhelmed him. A bad spirit overwhelmed him. And it's not so much this idea that there's this external demon that's coming to torment him, but rather it's an internal condition that's welling up from inside of him because you have a spirit too, and you've come across people like this. There are some people who just have a joyful spirit about them, and they're cool to hang around, and we like to hang around them. There's also some people who are a little on the melancholy side of things, right? We call them Eeyore a little cloud, right? So you have that, that negative connotation. Today we might even think in terms of conscience, that I have this conscience that's bothering me about something. And so when I read this idea of a bad spirit overwhelming Saul, I get a sense of a drunk, angry Jiminy Cricket. That's what's in my head. I don't know about what's, what's in yours. But that's the idea that's going on. That's something that's inside of Saul that's beginning to well up in with, within him and it overwhelms him. Have you ever felt that way? And the answer is most of us have. And if you haven't, you probably will at some point. And, and, and this begins to make more sense when we start putting it in the context of things. Here Saul is anointed by God, by Samuel, and he blew it, not once, but twice. And he blew it in a bad way. And he's rejected not only as king, but he's also rejected um, uh, as a dynasty. The the thought was, early on, is that, yeah, you're gonna be king and your son's gonna be king. Well, that's all out the window now. So rejected as as a dynasty. And furthermore, Saul is not just called out. He's called out publicly. I mean, Samuel makes a, makes a comment about this in front of his, his army. No wonder Saul's in a bad mood. How many of you like to be called out publicly? Uh-uh. No thank you. And, and I would imagine that you've probably seen this too. I mean, I know that I have. Have you ever met someone or maybe walked into... Maybe you've walked into a store and the person behind the counter just does not want to be there and you can just feel it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Or you you meet someone and you can just tell they're having a bad day or in a bad mood, right? Yeah. There's something about their countenance. There's something that you can just feel. and it's, it's not just the tone of voice. It's not the way they look. It's all those things together, and it kind of even affects the atmosphere around them. Happens in our families too, doesn't it? We call it um, euphemistically waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Nah, you just got a bad spirit overwhelming you. (laughs) That's really kind of what's going on. Or maybe there's something that you've said, or maybe there's something that you've done that you're not really proud of. Right? And it stays with you. Eats away, inside out. Can't fix it. Can't sleep at night. Right? Yeah. And we try to avoid people and we act disagreeable. But there's something going on inside of us that's beginning to come out. I think um, among... um, I think it's the Celebrate Recovery people, they have a phrase, emotions leak. Either you deal with your emotions or your emotions will deal with you. And they will typically come out in ways that you really don't want them to. That's kind of what's going on here, I think. Or maybe you've been in one of those circumstances where you've sinned and you know it. And the last person you want to talk to is God. Or the person that you offended, right? You know, you say something that you shouldn't have said. Who's the last person you want to talk to? That person that you said that thing about. Nobody likes to do that. And it bothers you. And it puts you in a foul mood. Because you know you're going to have to deal with that at some point and in some way. It's that kind of spirit. Your spirit that comes from within, but it serves a divine purpose. Are you tracking with me on this? That's what's happening here. We're not talking about an external evil spirit in the sense of the demonic, but rather the spirit that's within us where something is wrong, we need and want some resolution, and it's bothering us, and it's coming from the inside out. And so when we we read this about a bad spirit, we know what bad spirit means, and we certainly understand what being overwhelmed by it is. It's that thing that just keeps you up at night. It gnaws at you. And we've either experienced it or we know someone where where they've experienced it. But there's another part of this verse that I think is easy to overlook because (laughs) if it's about demons, we tend to sensationalize that and we focus all our attention there. But there's another part of this verse that I think is just as important, if maybe, I, I guess in my mind, it's more important. I think it's crucial in our understanding it. Now, the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. That's the linchpin to this whole thing. Now, we can talk about, you know, what the spirit means, and we can talk about tormenting and overwhelming, but the bottom line here is the first part gave way to the second. The spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and therefore, in my mind, opened the gateway for him to experience that type of overwhelm, that type of of torment. It's crucial to understand this. And this is a complete reversal of what we read in 1 Samuel chapter 10 where the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul and empowered him to not only lead but to also prophesy. That is not something I want to experience. (laughs) This is when the Spirit of the Lord departs. And I've been thinking about this a little bit, trying to wrap my mind around what this passage might mean because I think it happens to us more often than we care to admit. And today, you you might you might be experiencing something like this, or maybe you have in the past, or you might be feeling overwhelmed. Something's keeping you up at night. Maybe it feels like something is left undone. And um, your brain wants closure. That's what I always want. I want my brain to have some closure. And it's in that moment when your brain is overwhelmed and you're feeling that level of torment, that's the moment when you, you least want to, but you need to ask for God's Spirit. Does this make sense? The last person you want to talk to is the Holy Spirit, but that's exactly who you need to talk to. So maybe if you've got your journal out and you're writing this stuff down, think about this term, this phrase that we're using, a bad spirit overwhelmed him. And maybe you can even think about moments where you've experienced that level of overwhelm. Or maybe you're experiencing it right now. Write that down. What is it? And the thing that you're going to not want to do is to talk to God about it. But here's the thing, is that if we keep seeking him, even when we don't feel like it, he does answer. So don't be afraid, um, even when you blow it. Because here's the thing that I want you to remember. Here's the good news for today is that grace and mercy is not a one-and-done thing. Grace and mercy is continually available for for all people. That's the heart and nature of God is his loving um, personality, his loving person is always reaching out. He doesn't want you to feel that way. He also doesn't want you to blow it. But his spirit is still the thing that we need to connect to in order to remedy both of those sets of circumstances. Is this making sense? So we have this, this idea of being overwhelmed, this idea of having a bad spirit, this thing coming up. But that's the moment that you ask for God's spirit. That's when you ask to be um, back into his presence again. Because that's where we find empowerment, I think, in order to overcome those. You know, there's part of me that says, you know, Saul blew it twice, and God rejected him as the king. But I don't think God ever rejected him as a person. I don't think that's true. There's consequences for his action. That's that's Sure. But at the same time, I don't think the grace and mercy of God ever runs out for anybody. Now, we may not achieve all of the things that God had in mind for us to begin with, but that doesn't change the fact that God still loves us and still wants to be a part of our lives. And so I don't know where you are today or where, you know, maybe you know somebody who's experiencing this. But the the idea here is to, to continue to seek him, to find his presence once again and find that resolution. So we're going to sing a song. And um, I want you to think about that moment when you have been overwhelmed. Or maybe you're experiencing that right now. Where do you, uh, or maybe better question is, when are you going to ask God? When are you going to invite him back? When are you going to reconnect with him? And while we're singing that, um, I'm going to be over here again. Maybe you just want some prayer for that. Love to pray with you over that if you're feeling that overwhelmed. If you're online, send us a note. Um, we'll try to get, get in touch with you just to check in, see how you're doing, maybe pray with you if we need to. I want to be able to do that. Because I think sometimes we try to go it alone. And when we go it alone, that's when we begin to feel overwhelmed. That's when overwhelm becomes torment in my mind. So let's not try to do this on our own, but rather lean into the people around you who love you and will help pray you back into the presence of God so that you can be empowered. Lord Jesus, thank you for biblical stories and characters that teach us about your nature, about who you are, about your grace and your mercy, but also serve as warnings so that we don't have to experience the same things that they did. God, for whoever's gathered here either live and, or online, God, I pray that if there is a bad spirit overwhelming anyone, that you would reach out in such a way to reconnect with them. And that they would reach out to you and they would find your presence ready and waiting. And I pray to you, Lord, that as a church body, we wouldn't try to go it alone, but rather we would reach out to the people around us where it's appropriate and, and ask for that help. Just saying, hey, I'm, I'm really bothered by this thing. I'm not sure God's listening to me. Would you just pray for me for a moment? Help us to have that type of courage to admit that we're vulnerable. We all know it. We all know it's true. And I pray, Lord, that when someone asks us to be a part of that, that we would have so much compassion and so much love that we couldn't help but just pray for them. And Father, meet us today. Holy Spirit, move around the room, move in the homes of the people who are watching. Visit us, gift us as you see fit. More than anything, Lord, I pray that the overwhelm would be removed and we would find ourselves back with the Spirit of God in our hearts. Whatever you want to do, Lord, Thrive Church is yours. We just want to be faithful to you and to say yes to what you're doing among us. In Jesus' name, amen.